Hi and welcome to Dynamics Update. Uh, this time we will be discussing uh, mostly around 10.0.19, but we also have some discussions around uh, features and other general items that that has to do with uh, Dynamics 365 for finance and operation. And with me as usual, I have Gustav. Hey Gustav. Hello, hello. And uh, well, we should say that the reason for us going a little bit out of the, the features topic is that there isn't that many uh, interesting features this version. <laughs> well, there are a lot, of course, but it's it's both large and small. So we also took the liberty of asking our colleagues at Engage to, to post tips and, uh, well, pointers uh, from the whole spectrum of finance and commerce and supply. So hopefully we got something for everyone today. Right, you yeah, I, th I think uh, the explanation is mostly because Microsoft <laughs> has been doing their uh, business application summit. Yeah, exactly. So since the release notes for uh, 10.0.19 came out before Embas, this is probably the reason why these are fairly empty. There are yeah, some exactly. uh, gems, some highlights that we of will course. definitely discuss. So, uh, Gustav, how do you feel about uh, starting? Yeah, I can start. I'll start with a small one. It's really on the Power Apps part. It's uh, pa the passing of legal entity and a tip from a, a colleague of, our, of ours. Um, the passing of legal entity context to the embedded Canvas app. And this one uh, well, uh, came to my mind or well, I reacted to it because I, I didn't really consider this was not the case before. I haven't really worked with that many embedded Canvas apps. I've worked a lot with Power Apps as individual apps, but not that much with, with embedded ones in Dynamics. And I, I know knew they were context aware. I just didn't know you weren't able to pass the legal entity, which can, kind of is a base requirement if you need to, to deploy it across uh, organizations. So this feature really improves it. As they say, it improves the integration. I would say it would be a base feature, but now it's there at least. You're able to pass the user's current legal entity into the embedded Canvas app and thereby really then um, you can really leverage on, on the customizability, customizability of Power Apps without having to modify your, your um, Dynamics application. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think the main reason for, the, for this not having been there before is that mostly when you have these embedded um, apps, what you're looking at, for instance, is that when you select a customer, for instance, you will see information about that customer maybe from... CRM, which mm. is collected into a, a embedded app. And the reason why you don't need uh, the legal entity there mm. is because the customers still have a unique customer ID. It's not unique based on the legal entity. It's unique in the entire instance, which means that you will get this, the correct customer anyway. Well, that's not really the case for customers as customers from Custable. I mean, that, those can be... That can be an issue if you cannot uh, well define the legal entity. I think maybe in many cases they they are global. I agree, and that it won't won't be an issue. But I think a lot of tables are still legal entity sensitive, uh, especially financial data. So so um, I think that makes a lot of sense to to keep there. Um, and let's see if it's used. I don't really know how many people are using Power Apps. It's a really nice feature. I mean, as embedded Power Apps, I mean, but um, it makes sense to kind of be able to, to isolate it. And especially, I would say, not maybe not all companies want to have the Power App deployed as embedded, and then you can enable it and really make use of it for that specific entity or legal entity. Yep. So what's your next one? Uh, yeah, so my next one is uh, the tax service. Um, tax is one of those that is... Uh, 
really annoying uh, because it 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 ever for some strange reason every single country has their different tax laws. <laughs> of course, uh, I know that I I I know working with a colleague at my previous employer, she was tasked to set up um, sales tax for US, and <laughs> and she she she's she's he was totally. Um, annoyed with the fact that they could have different sales tax on different blocks of in the same city. Yeah, exactly. Which it's is, really which is <laughs> I mean, okay, so you're asking for trouble, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. And I know, I mean, if you look globally from the dynamics implementation perspective, I think Brazil and India are one of the, are among the most fiscalized countries in the world. And I know Brazil, they have very, very uh, complex invoicing laws. I mean, you have to like print five copies of the invoice. One has to be buried underneath a full moon. <laughs> it's like really, really, really complicated. India as well. Now now they do flat tax, I think, across India. So they had to, all that time they spent customizing ARP to, to fulfill the local tax laws now had to be rolled back to fulfill the flat tax. But you're right, it's really complicated and it's very, very ge geographically sensitive as well. And it's prone to change a lot due to legal reasons, of course. So... It's really uh, something that has well been the cause of many many hours of customization. So I I too like this this microservice approach they're they're taking both for inventory now the inventory uh, visibility app and um, supply chain um, scale unit as well as this tax service. It doesn't sound that interesting with a tax microservice, but I think it really uh, makes a lot of sense. I agree. Yeah, and I think it also indicates one thing that I've been thinking about since. Since I started working with Dynamics, I, I, as you know, I'm I'm not that old in the game, so I've been here for like six years or so. You're too but, humble, you. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, the thing is that that there are a lot of things that customers tend to invent, even though they shouldn't. They shouldn't ever have to think about this. Exactly. And I mean, that's that's my discussion around uh, electronic reporting, for instance. I mean, if you have legal required documentation, there shouldn't be any reason whatsoever for the customer to have to build them. Because Microsoft is fully aware that these are always... I mean, the, the Swedish tax authorities always require exactly the same document. Yeah, I agree completely. And especially now with, with uh, Evergreen, I mean, part where, where you can expect because you pay for a subscription, you can expect for it to be legally compliant. Uh, so, of course, I mean, the, the historical parts have been, uh, well, a nightmare, <laughs> like you say, a lot of customizations. But at, this, uh, at the same time, I think the, the customization part, or maybe the enhancement part comes into play with the various scenarios, like intense transaction uh, volume, basically, where the uh, even with the five rings that they use for testing, they haven't really encountered these types of retail transactions where you have a lot and lot, lots and lots of volume. Maybe those reporting requirements aren't sufficient. They are legally sufficient, but you can't tax the local tax authority can't receive those <laughs> those volumes of reports. That might be one thing. I I totally understand this, but but this uh, this tax service it falls under exactly the same uh, way because yeah, exactly. if you have two customers. If you have two league, two companies in the same country, <laughs> it's not like, like they're using different tax laws. No, or they shouldn't. Uh, they might, <laughs> they might, they they might be depending on which which type of business they are performing. Yeah, of course, of course. VAT, but, that's but, just but it's it's still, it's still it's still rules. Exactly. I mean, why not build a microservice that is is updated as soon as as uh, a country's tax authorities changes the rules? 
this one is updated because I mean once it is changed hmm. there is no going back anyway so there is no one that can say oh we didn't know we need to use the old rules no you are having new rules use yeah them. exactly I mean you don't have to invent these things and I think that I was so confused by the fact that there was actually a lot of ISVs selling like exactly this service basically yeah exactly i know for ax 2012 or whatever it was yeah and and i mean it should be built in and it is well it built in or built in and now it's built out but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but <laughs> it, it should be part of the of of the the uh, the service that you're yeah, buying it shouldn't be something that you need to invest on on that note i mean a lot of microservices are being deployed right now like you said as well the uh, the supply chain scale unit the commerce scale unit the uh, inventory visibility app so a lot of a lot more maintenance goes into lcs and maintaining environments that's just something to note i I don't think i don't think it's a bad thing i think it's a good thing but um it needs to have its uh, proper place and i think all the ones up until now at least do i just don't want to see them uh, spin up microservices (laughs) that are that don't really have a use but i think the tax service absolutely does yeah, and, and uh, when we're speaking about uh, legal requirements, uh, one of our colleagues actually mentioned that there are a couple of, of uh, geographically legal documents that has, has mm-hmm. actually been changed. So uh, the SIE report and the SAFT report yeah. has also been, been fixed. So there is there are new versions of the of them might be minor things but that's what i like about the electronic reporting since <laughs> they're in the library you can use them you don't yeah. have to make these changes yourself they are available exactly that's very good it's very cool all right um i had one more and it's really a technical note but just a heads up and i think uh, most have, haven't missed this but if you're using odata a lot in your integrations like uh, logic apps from power automate uh, odata just calls basically Microsoft has implemented or will implement from version 19 uh, mandatory throttling, um, priority throttling basically. Priority based throttling is the correct name for it. Um, and what this means is that you need in all calls towards an OData endpoint, you need to implement a specific um, message called for retry basically. So, uh, and, and the purpose is uh, the OData has always been kind of like, um, I'm not going to say the bad boy, but I think it's really nice. But whenever you get a question from an integrator who's not dynamics aware, it's like, oh, you have APIs. Yes, we have APIs, of course. You can do synchronous calls, you can do lightweight messaging through OData. Okay, that's great. And then you realize, uh, yeah, you can, but it, it really requires a lot, lot of um, well, work. I, I won't say work, but it requires knowledge. You cannot use or you should not use OData for like high volume posting journals, a lot of like uh, high volume traffic. You can use it for lightweight operations, which are not in the millions um, because you have an OData limit. First of all, how many client um, well connections you can have. You can increase that, I think, but still that limit is there for a purpose um, that many old data calls will bring your environment down and i think that's the reason for this priority throttling you're able to actually have the messages coming in they're just not coming in as fast as you might you might want but what it does mean that you have to you really have to implement this even though you might just use a number of messages per day or a very very low volume you still have to implement the priority based throttling because it will be mandatory so if you're using a lot of old data calls um, look it up and see when and if uh, when and how you can implement it just a heads up yes so so my my first comment on this is that uh, it was uh, fairly interesting uh, in my, one of my first projects actually 
the the limitations of OData was mentioned about say six months into the project. So once <laughs> once all of the BI reports were implemented using yeah. OData, someone mentioned just in bypassing, you shouldn't be using OData for for business reporting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's paging. But, but but last week, last week you said that it was okay. Yeah, no, we didn't. It, it's not okay. So so that's that's the first one. It was a yeah. bit annoying, but the second one actually ties back to something that we've been discussing on and off before here, and it has to do with management of features. Mm, yeah. Because uh, the the this was a feature before. This was used to be a feature that you could turn on, uh, priority based throttling. And uh, now it's actually uh, turned on for you. Even yeah. though you don't want it, it's still mandatory. So that brings me to how to manage uh, features. And I, I've been thinking, because I have a customer who's discussing this, and I've been thinking a lot about this, because the problem, I think, is sort of historical. Because when you come from 2009 and 2012, you knew what you bought. You bought this fixed set of functionality, and it was not that often that you actually uh, got new functionality, first of all. And when you did, it was a new main version, which required a lot of management just, just to upgrade. Because it, you, you need to merge every single line of code. You needed to verify that it worked in the new version and you need to recompile. And it was a really huge job to handle. The problem now is that now we get, I mean, I, I look through one of my customers' environment. They have like 500 plus features that hasn't been <laughs> enabled. Yeah. So they haven't enabled any features. That's the thing. So I, I started thinking about how, how, how should we recommend doing this? Because I, I think our customers are in the same, uh, all of the, most of the customers are in the same um uh, discussion because yeah. they are not used to getting all of these features all the time so they don't really know how to handle them exactly. so my main argument is that i think that you should handle them the same way you handle updates you yeah. should have them all enabled there are features that you don't want enabled then you should have a specific reason why you shouldn't have them e enabled but all of the other reasons, all of the other features, you should, by default, you should enable them. Of course, you need to test. Of course, you need to verify. Of course, you need to verify that they don't break anything. Hmm. That that's, goes without saying. But the goal should be that the list of features that are not enabled should be mostly empty. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and I, I think it sounds a little drastic to enable everything because there are some features that are quite scary. But a lot of them are just new features, new buttons, like canceling a transfer order shipment. That's very nice. It doesn't hurt to have it. Uh, canceling one nice feature, which is to, I think we discussed it in one of the last pods, the um, cancellation of a batch job, which has been a, like a, a historical issue. You had to kind of restart the iOS for it to go from canceling to canceled um, because the thread in the background is not, is not dying. It just keeps running. This is a way to, to cancel. So all of those are like, yeah, sure, just enable them because it just gives you new possibilities. Then there are some, like the new grid, the new views, stuff that really, really require you to, to test it through with the end users because it drastically changes 
the perception of the system, the way it works, the way like um, it remembers the last link, stuff like that. So it makes sense. I actually, we, we enabled the views in one of the previous engagements. Um, we had to disable it due to, well, user adoption. It, it didn't work the way we intended to, although it had a very, it has still has a lot of nice features. And I think a lot of people are using it now. I think it's a little drastic to automatically enable everything, but you're right. If you have the, the the organization for it and everyone is okay with testing, I say at least go through all all uh, features for each new uh, sprint or release or whatever schedule you have, and make a valid decision. Do we want it? Yes. Can we use it? Yes. Let's enable it. Do we want it? Yes. Does it bring any business uh, well um, enhancement? Yes. Then let's do it. So I think, like you say, you need to have a proper reason for it. Enabling Malaysian tax if you're only running Sweden, maybe not. Um, so th there are a lot of stuff that you don't want enabled. And I I'm missing in some cases, and in many cases, there are parameters for it as well. You can enable the feature, but then you still need to activate it via like accounts payable parameters, etc. But uh, make sure there is a, a legal entity parameter as well for the feature if it gives new functionality, like, um, well, from a logic perspective, it makes sense to have a legal entity parameter as well. You might want the feature on, but only for a specific company. Yes, I just just want to clarify, I'm not saying that you should automatically, I, I mean, there is, there is a way to set it to automatically enable yeah. all new features. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm <laughs> no. saying is that your default answer to should we enable this or should we not enable it should probably be yes. Yeah, that makes sense. At least going forward. <laughs> but if you have a reason why you shouldn't, then you should probably remove it. You should probably not use it. But the, the other problem here <laughs> is actually when it comes to features like, like this priority-based throttling, mm -hmm. the problem is that eventually it will be enabled for you. Yeah. So it's much better that you have already tested it and already have enabled it. Yeah, exactly. And all the tests that you've run from since enabled it has been run with it enabled. So you, you get a lot free by enabling very early in your sprint or test cycle, because maybe you're not specifically testing it, but you're running all your other tests with it enabled. And when you get to yes. the point where you want to use it, then you don't have to run that regression testing. Hopefully, it depends on what it is, of course, but in many cases, it makes sense to have it on already now in, in UAT. Or... But I think there is actually one more aspect of this. And it's when you think about uh, testing, when Microsoft is testing their latest updates, do you think they are testing it on an environment with all features enabled or with no features enabled or somewhere <laughs> in between? Yeah, I think it's all features enabled basically for that version. I think most of it. That's, that's why I'm saying that the default answer should probably be enable it. Yeah, exactly. Because, I, I agree. Because when you install the update, it has been tested, but it has been tested because they can't test every single permutation of every single feature. That's impossible. That won't ever happen. So the only thing they are testing is all features enabled. Does mm. it work? Yes, it does work. And as both you and I know, there are some really complex dependencies <laughs> that 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 could actually come back and bite you if you don't take them into account. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And another and, thing to add, sorry to, to interrupt, but I think one thing to add as well, which is not mentioned, is I've run into at least two cases to last just the last like two months where I wanted to use something uh, because of an issue that we had, but it wasn't enabled because we didn't yep. enable it. Yep. Uh, so no, I think that when you need to use it, you might not think you need to use it, but when you do need to use it, you need to have it enabled. Yeah. And and I mean, there are questions about all of these uh, country 
country-based features, mm. the specific features for a specific region. And I mean, from my perspective, in an ideal world, it would be that if you don't use Malaysia, it should be perfectly safe to enable Malaysia. Yeah, because right. it 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 shouldn't make any difference whatsoever. Emphasis here is shouldn't. So I think that's the reason why people don't enable it because you think naturally enabling something gives you more risk that something will break, uh, and that's I, I think that's just uh, the way people feel, and um, I I can't argue that you have to enable it. <laughs> and they and that and the way people feel doesn't naturally have to be rational. No, that's the, that's <laughs> the problem. So, uh, my my last uh, aspect of this is actually so if if you have this customer that that sort of I have, which have five hundred plus not enabled features, how do you go about doing this? So mm. one thing I actually learned that you shouldn't do is you shouldn't create a list of all of the features and send it out to all of the application consultants and say, <laughs> please let me know which one I, I should enable because you won't get any answer whatsoever. You need to slice the list. You mm -hmm. need to, to uh, break it down into smaller pieces. You can break it down by country. That could be nice. You could break it down by... Start by breaking it down by stream. Okay, so all finance. All finance features. Here you have a list of all generic finance features that aren't country-specific. Which ones should we enable? Okay, those are gone. Next, <laughs> trade and logistics. Which features could we, could we enable? Because then you have one person that is responsible for 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 dealing with the list yeah if you send out the list to everyone no one will have time to look at it and you wouldn't never get it or you just enable all of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean what you could do i don't recommend it but what you could do is say i will enable those on friday if yeah. you don't tell me not to <laughs> i think uh the rational way to go about it it is it depends on your setup and on, on specifically on your capabilities to test i mean Ideally, you have a running test cycle and hopefully you don't have 500 plus features to activate. Then, I mean, it's up to you to decide how many you need to activate. Uh, the ones that you need to use, go through may, in any way, make sure you have a list. And then I, I would argue to just activate them before maybe a larger sprint test cycle where you have a larger release or something. So you're covering more scenarios in your tests. But otherwise, it's just running. I mean, it's it's not something you build. The, the risk of something breaking is less likely it's more that you need to maybe change the way um, the process works uh, let's take this transfer cancellation i really like that one because it's it's been giving me some some headache before so previously you had a process where you had to like ship stuff back now you can just click cancel so it's making a process easier than it was but still you have to change the process because you don't want people spending time and uh, unnecessary time so it's more that that will change with some of these features than actually stuff breaking but of course, you need to test stuff breaking as well. So um, I think we spend enough time on the features, but I, it, it makes it varies between instances, of course. But the default, uh, like you say, the default answer should I enable this feature should be yes, unless you have a valid reason otherwise. Yeah, and and one thing that I should mention as well that we have discussed when it comes to updates. I mean, you will not be the first one who tests this feature <laughs> exactly. because first of all, it's already in the the private preview program. So a lot of customers are testing it. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that they're putting it through production tests. They are they are 
browsing it, verifying it, testing it a bit. Yeah. Then, then you have uh, the first release users. Those are the ones who get the release before it goes general available. Mm -hmm. And those are required to, to run it in production. Yeah. Which means that when you get hold of the new features, they have already been run in production for a couple of weeks. Mm, exactly. And not in a test environment. Yeah. So that's, that's important. And there are still features that are in preview. Of course, you shouldn't enable those in production unless you have a really, really, really good reason. Mm. There are, I mean, there are reasons that you're in a way, you're in a situation where you, you desperately need this functionality. Mm. Good. Then it's an informed decision. Otherwise, mm. you shouldn't do it ever. Uh, and then you have the standard release ring, which is the fourth release ring where, where we normal people get hold of it. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it, it's not that it's not tested. And I totally understand when it comes to, for instance, we have discussed this uh, new grid as an example mm. a, a hundred times or so. Uh, <laughs> there, have, there have been bugs, but to be fully honest, it was in preview a very long time, first of all. And secondly, the, most of the problems was actually, uh, the, at, at least the, the, the later ones, was in regards to RSAT. So it was in regards to automating testing yeah, and, and uh, among extensions, etc. But but I agree, it's been really preview for quite some time, and, and that makes sense because it's a very very key component of of the UI. So they spend more time validating that one than they did for I mean, smaller features. But in the end, I think the the new grid it needs to be there because the old one is like a legacy from AX with the uh, fetching of of specific records, etc. So I think um, that one you you can trust that it it's tested properly, but you cannot trust that it's tested with your extensions. I think that's the simple summary of it. You you still need to test it, but it's not that it's going to break in a vanilla environment, or most likely it won't break in a vanilla. You need to test it with your extension and and with your end users. That's the um, that's the whole point. Yeah, and also the the new grid is is an extremely good example because i could put down a fairly large bet on the fact that this will be mandatory yeah eventually of course. Yeah. this will be mandatory so if you haven't tested it and you miss the notification that it's going to be mandatory then it will happen either you want it or not yeah, and I think that will be the case for every new feature replacing an old one because, uh, I mean, no no one, especially not Microsoft, wants to maintain two separate features doing the same thing. In the end, you want to focus all your efforts on one. It makes sense. So you just need to phase it out. It's the deprecated feature. It's the same as any other system. So you just need to, again, uh, stay up to date with what's coming and what's being, what's going out because it is an evergreen system and you, you it's not... You can stay uh, on the old version, but you won't be supported. So, I mean, you yeah, really need to stay yeah. up to date. Um, yeah. I just ha I have two more things. So I'll just take them two at the, at the same time because they're both quite small, really. Uh, one is the commerce part. I, I just mentioned it because it's kind of close to heart. It's a, a specific promotion type, gift with purchase, which is something which is being used a lot, specifically in Sweden, a lot over the world, I, I would I would guess where specifically fashion retail buy this and get a beach hat or something 
and it's always been a little complex to set up. Um, everyone is like, well, you, you set full 100% discount. And that, from a legal or financial perspective, that's always, uh, not, I'm not going to say nightmare, but it, it's tricky to make it work. But now there is a real feature, a real discount type called gift with purchase. So it's just a small thing, um, but it makes it, uh, I think, a lot easier. And you're able to, to configure it easier, specifically on hierarchy as well. You don't have to build these complex, like, three for two structures where uh, one of them is automatically 100% discount now you can use it um, uh, the way it should be and the last one i had uh, i think i already mentioned it i just wanted to highlight the fact that they are investing a lot into the um, the scale units in this uh, version a lot is put into the supply chain scale units so a lot of incremental enhancements for warehouse execution capabilities so the supply chain scale unit is becoming more and more uh, independent as an operating scale unit um, so you get more and more functions to it i don't know anyone who's using it fully right now but it's it makes a lot of sense i think the commerce scale unit uh, put a lot of strain off um, the back-end dynamics as i think the supply chain scale unit can also put a lot of um, strain off the back-end processing so if you're using supply chain or warehouse management you really need to look into using the scale unit. You don't have to use it for like regional purposes. It's just the way you can deploy it side side by side, just to put some strain off the on the dynamics backend. So nice to see that they're putting a lot of effort into it. Still quite new, so um, needs needs testing. But um, it's a nice uh, another move towards the scale unit or microservice architecture. That's right. Uh, I just wanted to check for for me who is not working that much with retail. Uh, the gift would purchase one. Are you also able to set like a percentage discount on on that one? So you don't. It's not just free or not free. You can you can say that if you if you buy this, you can get this half off too. I, the so gift with purchase is specific. That's a gift basically. So that's really like zero. But you can use another type of discount, like threshold discount. You can get twenty percent off if you buy these uh, and. Three for two is usually you get like the cheapest one, so there's a lot of complexity in that rule set. But when you have three for two, you usually get the cheapest one uh, for free. Uh, that's how the system is set up. But then you can define all, all types of like threshold discounts, quality discounts, etc. So it's all up to you. But uh, try to limit the amount of variant-based <laughs> discounts you need to keep. Uh, instead, try to use hierarchy as much as possible because it's um, performance intensive if you have a lot of discounts. But uh, this is quite nice because you don't have to like hack the system to get a very, very common discount type. Then you can just set it up because it's there. Yes, that's good. Uh, I think that's a good place to stop for today. Mm -hmm. If you would like, we've missed this a lot of times, but if you would <laughs> like to, to send in a question or get in touch with us, uh, you can always send an email on dynamicsupdate at engagegroup.se because uh, both me and Gustav will happily answer your questions and yeah. we might even bring them into the to the podcast if if they are uh, something of interest for everyone. Yeah, that would be great. So with that being said, have a nice time until the next time and bye-bye. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.